really what it comes down to, the most important thing is, is your people skills. Because right. at the end of the day, you know, your real estate is that you're buying is, is really the contracts and the tenants is what you're really buying into. That's the real relationship. And you develop that through the years. And if you have very good business sense and not too much people skills and vice versa, you strike that balance and you'll be very successful. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss. And with me today, we have a guest, a special guest, Mike Butler, right? All the way from sunny North Carolina, Philadelphia. Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. He's not in North Carolina. He's in Philadelphia. How are you doing out there, Mike, today? Great. Can't complain. Uh, it is actually sunny here in Philadelphia today, so, <laughs> which has not been like that in a while. So it's been a very wet and rainy spring. Yeah, well, the weather is changing, and hopefully that's going to bring a lot of change to the current environment as well. Yes. You know, with God's help. So a little bit about Mike. Mike has been in the real estate investing space for almost 25 years. So different levels, you know, between for his first property, which was a duplex back in 1994, and he's remained very active in the real estate investing through acquisition and sale of single-family rentals, fix and flips, residentials all the way till 2010. And as he was a landlord, he has done a lot of maintenance, property manager, a lot of different aspects of the real world challenges of owning and managing rental properties. So that's really given him a kind of boost for his multifamily, you know, large multifamily acquisition businesses, which in the last uh, five years or so, you guys have taken down how many units by now? Well, myself and my partner, we've done probably a little over 4,000 units. Over 4,000 units together and with partners. So it is a true pleasure to have you on our show today, Mike. And, you know, it's, it's always fascinating to speak to people who have a lot more experience on the hands-on and the management side of, of the business because real estate investing is not all, you know, sun and flowers and just receiving a check, you know, passive investor. You got to get down in the dirty a lot of times. But I'm curious to ask you because, you know, obviously you've spent a lot of time and you've grown a tremendous amount since back then, uh, back in 94 when you purchased that first duplex. Yeah. Now, are you involved in the day-to-day management of your large multifamily properties? Yeah. So, I mean, I have a deal that I'm running point on that uh, it's down in North Carolina and I'm very active in that. Uh, it's it's a kind of a mid-sized deal uh, being about 60 some units and 62 units to be exact. And, you know, it's not quite large enough to have a, a full-time property manager there. So we have more of like a leasing agent. But, you know, from the day-to-day, actually just got off the phone with her about uh, 10 minutes ago, uh, going through, especially now with COVID and uh, the shutdown down in North Carolina has been pretty much um, shut down as well for the, the past month or so now. Thankfully, knock on wood, we have not been hit hard. Our, our tenants were actually the one tenant that we did have that maybe had, we're going to have some issues actually ended up uh, getting everything squared away. So we're, we're actually doing well. And I know that's not the case for everybody. So my, my heart goes out to them. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've been very proactive from the get go. Yeah. And I, a little spoiler alert. I, ha- I heard you on the bigger pockets podcast where you talked a little more in detail about, about your proactivity, you know, involved in that. So, you know, obviously that was a big, 
important factor in the fact that you guys are, are still doing well and your rents are, are coming in strong. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it, and that's really what it comes down to, as I mentioned there, and I'll say, I'll kind of repeat it here, it's just communication. I, I mean, for myself, what I've learned through the years, you know, is going back from the 1994, I just kind of fell into it. It was actually my brother's, my older brother's idea. I just got out of college, and he said, you know, I'm still at home, you know, still at home at the time, and uh, just graduating. He says, why don't you, you know, go buy a duplex and live on the bottom and rent out the top or something. Yeah, sure. It sounds like a good idea. I, you know, I, I've always been interested in uh, architecture, managed properties, real estate. You know, this is you know, I was probably well, how was I then? Twenty-two. I'm fifty-three now. So, but uh, I kind of just fell into it and kind of grew from there. It was very more of a passive you know, business. By my W two is uh, I'm, I'm in my career. I'm a, a physician assistant in heart surgery. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been doing it for 30 years. Uh, enjoy it, but you know, for this time in the phase of my life, I'm looking to go more. Uh, full-time on the on the uh, real estate uh, business and kind of walk away from the healthcare side of it and that's going well but through the years i've always done it passively like you mentioned i fix some flips i've done my own work did my own maintenance did my own repairs property management and you know one thing i've learned is that that experience is very transferable into the multifamily or full-time real estate management or syndication management asset management it all really ties together. And um, so, so you're saying it doesn't really matter what type, you know, if, as long as you're involved in the hands-on and the day-to-day -day of a business and involved in real estate, you can transfer that, you know, to a different yeah. aspect of the business. On the maintenance side, you learn, you know, you under, you kind of have a feel for what sounds like a contractor's kind of maybe pulling his leg a little bit or, you know, and you kind of get a feel for things. You kind of know what to expect. But really what it comes down to the most important thing is, is your people skills. Because uh, right. at the end of the day, you know, your real estate is that you're buying is, is really the contracts and the tenants is what you're really buying into. That's the real relationship. And you develop that through the years. And if you have very good business sense and not too much people skills and vice right. versa, you strike that balance and you'll be very successful. Okay. And I imagine, you know, you as a physician's assistant, and I want to kind of dig into that a little bit more because you're saying you've been working full time for the past 30 years, basically as a physician assistant and simultaneously investing yeah. in real estate, both, you know, actively and passively. Yes. So, and being a physician assistant, obviously you're dealing with people all the time. Yes. Yeah. I, I actually, you know, I kind of, uh, not just of our tenants, but also our, our business partners and our investors. Um, I, I've taken almost a, um, medical approach to it in terms of, you know, working with investors as uh, almost informed consent. Mm -hmm. You know, when you go to a procedure, you, you know, you hopefully you haven't had any, but if someone goes to the procedure, they, you know, they get it that to sign a consent and they have to have everything explained to them in detail, but in very understandable terms. Sure. And, you know, that's important. And I think that's, you know, I, I along our leases and working with our tenants and communicating with them. Also with our investors, I do the same thing. It's really about having that granular understanding of you know what expectations are uh, is important. That's what I kind of use that as well, that experience as well. Amazing. And have you had any challenges or like anything stand out in your mind specifically in dealing with you know investors? Because I think a lot of people who are listening to this are you know thinking they are either investors themselves in real estate deals or they are perhaps syndicators and people who are looking to partner with investors. So you know, what's a challenge that you've kind of been able to overcome through the communication with the investors? 
think that it's a great question. And I think, you know, it, it's like anything else, uh, whether it's medicine, real estate, investing, you name it. Everyone comes in with a different level of knowledge and understanding. And in a good way, I, it's always kind of taken the approach, if I can't explain it, then I, I shouldn't be offering it, you right. know, and understand it myself, obviously. 100%. And it, it, I, we don't have, a, I don't have a punch list of just things to say and then that's it. And be sure in, in your world, your business, and you go through uh, different clients, some need more education about it. And I mean, even in the local world, uh, you know, someone that, you know, sir, you need heart surgery. Okay, can we do it tomorrow? You know, it's, <laughs> I, I, that's, I kid you not. And then others you know, obviously need to get their affairs in order and have more questions and want to confer with their family. It, you'll see a wide range. It's interesting. You know, reflecting back, as you asked that question, I see the same thing in the investment world. Some investors I've spoken to, uh, they understand what we're trying to do and sort of syndicating multifamily assets. And others, it's new to them. Uh, they're used to the stocks and bonds and you know, mm -hmm. uh, market-driven type investments, and this is new. Uh, they're interested, but they need more education. And that's, you know, you, 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 uh, you understand that quickly and you just work with them. So, so, what, so what, how do you do, what are some ways that you do? You have like a, a platform, you have an educational, do you refer them to certain uh, resources? How do you go about, or is it just on a one-by-one -one basis? It's, uh, we have education, uh, educational material about ourselves, our firm, mm -hmm. about you know, investing in real estate, particularly multifamily and syndications. Right. Uh, and we have all that and we share that with all our clients. Gotcha. And that really is a good primer and that kind of generates more questions. That's what you want. You want your material to generate more questions, deeper questions. Right. And, uh, and then that's really when the phone call comes in and then maybe we'll do a Zoom call like we're doing now and really go from there. And it just, it, it, there's, it's always a process. There's no specific endpoint. And sometimes the answer is no, and you just say, thank you, I really appreciate your time. If you know of anybody, let me know. If you change your mind, more questions, please call back. No harm, no foul. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so let me ask you a question, kind of unrelated to, uh, to what we spoke about now, but you know, obviously you have dealt, dealing with a lot of tenants, right? And hands-on managerial, hands-on stuff with, with dealing with tenants is, is definitely not the easiest thing to do, but it sounds like you, you're dealing with it and you, and you enjoy that aspect of it because it's the people skills and because you like dealing with people. And I think your approach that you mentioned before is that you're dealing, you know, real estate, you're really dealing with people, right? Your you're tenants, you're, and that's, yeah. I think, the best approach. Unfortunately, uh, some real estate have a bad name, you know, the slumlords, et cetera. Yeah. There's, there is that you know, that bad image that some people think about when they think about, you know, large multifamily properties, you know, what, give me an example, like in this situation, obviously this is not the easiest situation to go through. I know you were proactive with your tenants in this pandemic. Like what was one, one thing, you know, that you did to be proactive in this, uh, in this situation with your tenants? In the current, in the, yeah, current? In the current situation. Yeah, it goes that communication. Uh, we were very proactive uh, in communicating with them. You know, we, you know, from a COVID standpoint, obviously back in mid-March, no one really knew what was down, coming down the pike. So we, you know, sent them a letter saying, you know, we're here, let us know. I gave them, well, I have an 800 number that, you know, they can call me directly if they have any questions, worked very closely with our property manager. We kept the structure of communication, you know, with the property manager going through her first. Mm -hmm. That's important. You want to you want to continue, in my opinion, kind of continue your current processes, but support them a little bit more deeper. You know, in terms of and you kind of adjust as you need. 
I know it's not a very specific answer, but that's what we did. Um, and, you know, we didn't go into, uh, we didn't send them communication saying that, you know, if you have an issue with paying your rent, let us know. We didn't do that. We just, I, my opinion was that we, what I did was sent them uh, just saying that we're here, stay safe. We're going to close our office, but she's available by phone, by email, you know, whatever, but we're, we're still here. But then I, really what I did was I didn't want to promote any issues as well right. as that balance. And then said, you know, we dealt with the issues as they came. Because gotcha. everybody's situation is different. You know, even with the tenants, you know, some, someone may have gotten furloughed uh, and they have lost their job permanently. So it might be temporary. You know, we just don't know. So we didn't, you know, we didn't kind of blast a plan out per se. We let them come to us first. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Very, very eye-opening because I think a lot of people don't think about that, you know, just the little things reaching out to your tenants. You don't, I think that's a being proactive, not waiting for them, uh, you know, to come to you with their problems. Yeah. Just it's an open channel communication. Right. I think it's really important. Okay, so we're going to jump right in, I think, to the final four over here because there's, uh, there's a lot. To, these, these are some of the great questions, and I like, I like when they go a little bit deeper than just the one-word answer. So let's just jump right into it, Mike. So what is the worst job that you ever had? The worst job? I'll tell you, it's, if, if I would tell you what my first job was, you would think it was the worst job. Uh, so what I did was uh, – I grew up, of course, in Philadelphia, and that's when Veterans Stadium was still, you know, uh, uh, building in place. And I picked up trash, uh, and 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 then during the day, I sold parking, you know, parking passes as they come in. And uh, but I had a fun doing it. <laughs> so it was it was interesting. I was like, but I'll say I was sixteen. I was probably a little mm-hmm. younger. I don't know what the rules are, but you know, my brother <laughs> got me the job. My older brother, and uh, I had a little blast, though. I mean, it was. Um, First time getting out and making a little bit of money wasn't much, but you know, worked with a bunch of characters, uh, that older gentleman that I'm sure all you know, passed away now. But it was a lot of hard work, stinky work, but um, you know, it's always a good work ethic, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Definitely. And so that wasn't your worst job. <laughs> no, I can't, you know, I think you know, I think we've all been in situations where I think professional situations where I, I may have taken a job and you just don't have to bat. It's just it's not there either. It's it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And I've grown over the years to realize that that's very important is it has to feel good. And if yeah. it doesn't, then it's not worth it. And sometimes you stay at jobs that you, you know, you, you do it for the money, you do it for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, I, as I got older in age, I realized that that's probably the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, just as you were saying that, I just pumped into my head over here. The first sales job that I ever had was kind of like a summer job at a magazine company out in Los Angeles, it's like a free publication magazine yes. where basically they're just selling advertising because that's how they have the revenue to, to yep. put out that magazine. And I tell you, the sales part of it was just, it was horrible. But the worst part about the whole thing was just some of the people in that office. And it was just, that was my first real experience in a, uh, you know, in kind of a sales environment and with people that, you know, who yep. are, you know, professional salesmen who are, you know, the whole up and down uh, of that. And some are just people I would never want to spend time with yeah, had yeah. I not been, you know, thrown into that environment. Um, right. And it's, you you, you kind of, and that, as you grow, you just, you realize that you're, you're you see work with people have personalities, like you either attracted to them or you're pushed away from like, I don't want to be, I, you know, they act like a mirror almost. Like, I don't want to do that. 
Exactly. Very good. So question number two, what is a book that has given you a paradigm shift? Uh, That's a good question. I I think what really changed, I think everyone's read this book, especially if you're in real estate investing, is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. (laughs) The point where I actually just gave it to my, we have three kids, uh, 22, 19, and 14. My youngest of 14, I gave it to him. As this is your summer project. Now that they're out of school and they're whatever they're doing now in school, right. <laughs> <laughs> I got a book for you to read. They're not going to give it to you in school. So he, of course, he put it down. He's not really, you know, I got to, you had to, 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 you know, with a stick to get it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, but he's watching what I'm doing and he sees and he's starting to ask questions. And I think that's just a kind of a advice, not from bad, you know, kind of book. And I think that's, you know, it helped me and kind of look at a different perspective. And I uh, hope that'll help him. So that was, uh, hopefully that'll be a, a, probably a paradigm shift for a lot of people. Absolutely. That book has definitely come up before on our podcast. And yeah. it's, it's, and I agree because it's one of those books that they don't teach you in school. No. A lot of these concepts and it just opens your eyes to what money means and, and how to use it and real estate and the benefits, et cetera. So yeah, I appreciate that. It's a great book. Yeah. I think one, I think that maybe help everybody is that it was having two careers and making that, that career shift, you know, right. it's, uh, you know, the time balance and a big one is uh, Hal Elrod's um, the Miracle Morning, I think mm. is a good one. And there he has a whole uh, few other books after that, the follow-ups that I found helpful in kind of yeah. uh, structuring my thought process and trying to balance the two and kind of making that shift. Absolutely. Another excellent, excellent book. And I appreciate you bringing that one up because that's uh, also great, great perspective on a lot of things in that book. So check it out. Hal Elrod, Miracle Morning. Number three, what skill or talent would you like to learn? I would like to be proficient in another language. Uh, My wife's Italian, Sicilian. Uh, I still think they talk about me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm like, I was one of the first uh, Americans to get into the family, but uh, now I'm only kidding. No, but I think Spanish. I think it's uh, obviously, I think to have that connection, it really goes down to that um, one-on-one connection with, with your clients, whether it's investors, tenants, uh, uh, business uh, contacts, what have you. I just think it's something I, I should, I won't say it's a buckle, but something I really should do. I kind of, always again, put that time into doing it and it's something I Absolutely. Excellent. And number four, what does success mean to you? If you were to ask me that in different stages of my life, it would be a different answer. Yeah. You know? Right. Uh, now. So the 53 um, year old, uh, Mike Butler. Yeah. yeah. Before, you know, up until, you know, a few years ago, I'd like to make as much money as I can, but it really just about enjoying the day for me and, and feeling that I'm working towards something that I want to do. I've really realized that over the past probably year or two. Uh, and, you know, obviously family is, is a huge part of that uh, because I think, you know, they feed off of our, our energy, my wife and uh, my energy and her energy. And I think it's really just more, you know, the money's a nice part of it. Let's not, you know, kid ourselves. Uh, and I want to be able to give something to my children, you know, when I go, but not just from a monetary standpoint, but teaching them values and sense of hard work. You know, going back to Rich Dad Poor Dad, making money, not just earning money. I mean, there's right. a lot of facets of it, and just leaving something back. So that's what really to me success. It's a, it's a, not just a single answer. Absolutely, no, that's that's important. And it, I like how you said it. Just enjoying the day, yeah. you know, and and enjoying life because yeah. 
a truly successful person in, I guess, in that sense of the word, because it means something different to everyone. And like you said, in different stages of your life, it means something different to you. And I think a lot of people can relate to that because as you grow and mature and have different challenges and experiences in life, you know, in education, you you open your mind up and yourself up to different, different things. So enjoying the day, enjoying life. I think it's so important. And what you're doing is allowing yourself to, you know, to open yourself up to those opportunities right. that come your way. And it's kind of setting exactly. up that opportunity. And, uh, and just, uh, again, it's an opportunity and options. And I keep telling my children, teaching them, you want options. You know, you want to be the driver of your ship, car, whatever, your path, whether it's the real estate or whether it's, you know, just be happy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter, my, I, my our middle daughter's changed. Uh, she's a, a, um, a junior, she'll be a junior in, uh, in college uh, next year, starting next year. She's already made like two or three career change shifts. <laughs> so, and, and, but it's okay because uh, you, you see that, that maturity and that growth and just be happy what you're doing. You know, it'll right. all work. Absolutely. And at that age, I mean, I didn't you know, know what I wanted to do when I, you know, I was 19, 20, like forget about it, you know? <laughs> and it's just, you know, the time just living life and experiencing different things kind of opens you up to those opportunities. Right. And you see what you like, what you don't like, what works for you, what doesn't, and kind of go with it. So yeah. tell, uh, them, tell them, you have to pay attention to people around you too. And a lot of people helped me uh, do what you mentioned earlier. You go through your work and, some people you kind of get it, uh, you emulate or some of you don't. Uh, but, um, you know, I tell them to pay attention to who's, who's around you and help them and help others and let them help you. So. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Um, where can our listeners find you if they, if they choose to do so? You can look at like, on our website, carolinamultifamilyinvestments.com. It's all one word. There you can email me. Find me on LinkedIn, Mike Butler, Carolina Multifamily Investments. I'm always on LinkedIn, a uh, little bit of Facebook here and there, but I'm not a big Facebook fan, but anywhere you get there, you can, and then also through the podcast here. You can Absolutely. Thanks again, Mike. It was a pleasure having you on the Weiss Advice and to all our listeners, thanks for joining us again. And remember, the best advice only comes when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I wanna hear from you guys. So I wanna hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.